Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the week ahead, the Halloween week. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Well, pretty good. Um, quite a tragedy there in uh, Seoul, Korea there with uh, the Halloween celebrations gone bad, hey? Yeah, it's second it was, time within a month. First it was Indonesia with the stadium, and now this. It's just, uh, yeah, 120 people dead, I guess. Um, that's quite substantial for a, a crush. But I guess uh, you get every crowded, you know, in a crowded area like that, and, and where there's, you know, essentially buildings and walls surrounding, there's nowhere to go. So, yeah, pretty sad. Um, well, uh, I'm not going out for Halloween, are you? <laughs> I guess you gotta. Do you have to take your kids? No, take no, your a, kids out. There's a family in town. They have a farm, and they do this cool haunted orchard thing. So you go through the orchard and the farm, and they've got people jumping out. And oh, interesting! Go, they've got all the relatives dressed up, and little werewolves with chainsaws. It's, it's kind of fun. So it's a Halloween <laughs> walk, orchard walk on the farm in the dark. Well, in some families, not all the relatives have to dress up, do they? No. <laughs> Just show up as you are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's get this party started. So we're doing this on Saturday night here because uh, Sunday I'm not available. I've got to be out of town for the day. So so we're going to do it Saturday. So we don't have the futures to rattle off what they're currently doing. So uh, do make sure you check, um, you know, check Sunday night, see how they're doing. And then it's a good contrast to check uh, pre-market to see what changed and you know to to assess your overnight highs and lows, your pre-market lows and highs, that really gives you context uh, for you know what's happening. Uh, a case in point would be like when we look at uh, some of these earnings that have happened recently, specifically Amazon's, um, and see what happened after hours when they reported. I mean, it dropped substantially. Um, and it was down at the 88.25 level, which is a huge haircut for uh, Amazon. And um, it seems seems really quite amazing. I mean, you know, because it's post post split, and you know, we're we're used to remember for the, all those years, it was like Amazon in the two to three thousand, thirty five hundred mm-hmm. area. Now we're you know, eighty eight dollars for Amazon, but uh, it came off that low after hours, and it was a really nice trend up, and then. The following morning, it also kind of built on that a little bit prior to the opening. So that gave a lot of extra confidence to some of these tech stocks and especially, you know, Apple, which was already really stronger after its op- uh, after its uh, earnings. Um, and the, the odd man out is this meta <laughs> performing terribly. Uh, I mean, do you have any interest in being in the metaverse or do you like kind of hanging out with real people? <laughs> I have no interest. I didn't like Facebook as it was, and this is just getting weirder now with this metaverse. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in one day it may work out, but it's it's they're going all in on it, and I don't know if uh, I mean investors are that happy. It's uh, it's a big bet. Um, it may pan out, but you know, interestingly enough, you know, when 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 companies are in their prime and their their growth rate is just incredible, they're unstoppable. Um, and they kind of, you know, hit a maturity and then afterwards, you know, their margins start shrinking. This is a common problem. But some of the big companies that have been are no longer around. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
maybe four years ago, people would have thought, well, you know, Facebook will never come to an end. But, you know, it, it's not impossible. Uh, and, you know, their, uh, their free cash flow has shrunk from the billions to only 178 million now, free cash flow. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, uh, if they didn't trim the fat and if the debt, uh, you know, it, it needs to be addressed if there is um, or just, you know, the expenses are much greater than the revenue, um, they may be a company that is not here in five years. It's it's possible, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's an interesting cycle, the, the whole sort of growth to maturity to down the backside when, when margins erode. Um, when revenue decreases, when competition increases. Um, it's an interesting cycle. Anyway, um, let's see what we got here. Um, oh, let me rattle off a few things. So for the week, the Dow Jones was up 5.7%. NASDAQ was only up 2.2%. So we see a real kind of hesitancy still to to go all in on these tech stocks. S&P 500 was up 4%. Now, bear in mind, S&P has financials in it where NASDAQ doesn't. So even though the S&P has technology stocks, it's not, you know, quite that pure, pure exposure. And then the Russell, the small caps was up 6%. So it, it was the top performer for the week. And we've seen this small cap strength. And a lot of it's related to what's upcoming for um, November, because in November, small caps uh, perform to like 5.1%. So uh, on average, again, there's no guarantee we get that again. This is just context as probabilities. But I also think it's important to look at where are we year to date? You know, because we know we've all plunged into a bear market and then we're kind of like still in it or not in it anymore, depending on the uh, index that you're following. So Starting with the worst, NASDAQ is down 29% for the year still, year to date. And next is the S&P 500 down 18.2. And this is now after this bounce, right? Mm -hmm. And Russell's down 17.7. And then the Dow Jones is only down 9.6. So... You know, it's gotten above that 10% down uh, scenario, right? And that's just because of the incredible performance for the month of October, which is one of the best performing months in on record for the Dow. And it um, it erased completely the sell-off in September. So the Dow Jones has completely erased it and is above that, where the others um, haven't completely erased it yet. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, over to you. Yeah, I mean, the, in the coming week, we have three seasonality um, almanac events coming up. Tomorrow is the last day of October. And then right. we have Tuesday will be the first trading day of November. And then we have the first Friday of the month as well. So there's three different um, uh, key points there to look at the almanac this week. And um, I just want to look at some of the sectors that might do well on the last day of October. <clears throat> And for again, for the month, we're expecting 0.79 for the spiders in general. But the last day, things that could be better as longs are utilities, the chip stocks, SMH, uh, industrials, the oils, XOP, XLE, basic materials, technology, discretionary, QQQ, and things that might be better shorts, 
or XLC Communications, Gold, Biotech, Silver, the ARC-K funds, Staples, Real Estate, and Financials, and Small Cap. So there are some uh, sectors to play against each other from the Almanac perspective for the final day of October. And then um, Tuesday is the first day of the month, and it's kind of flipped. Again, things like biotech are expected to be better the first day of the month, gold, energy, chips. So it's whatever's um, down one day can flip the next day, I guess, in terms of um, first day of the month, last day of the month. So that de-risking where we usually see on the last day, we'll see if the Friday rally continues tomorrow, but if we get the normal kind of pa pattern, it's a little softer that final day as people de-risk. And it is the last day of October, a lot of funds kind of close their books and whatnot. So, and then, we, and then on Friday, the first Friday of the month, um, again, it's kind of mixed. Again, a bit of a risk on kind of theme with RK K up there, biotech, chips, a um, little bit shorter on some of the utilities and safer stocks. So, so you, you do have some themes to play there. And um, I have some data there in terms of how the months have done. You want to go over that in terms of small caps versus large caps? And Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if we look at a one month perspective, um, small caps have vastly outperformed mega, 9.29% up for the small caps versus 3.88 for mega. And um, on a one week perspective as well, and even on the three month, on the three month, even though small caps are down 3%, um, mega is down 9%, right? So there's this outperformance we're seeing um, even before November. Uh, a small rotation into small cap. Uh, on Friday, it just happened to be super strong mega cap. But uh, the, if you look at the one week, one month, three months, you can see that. And then also in terms of sectors over the last month, energy, industrials, and financials have been the, the best sectors, while consumer cyclical, communication services, and utilities have been the weakest over the last month. So if we still keep that kind of perspective on there, what sectors might keep pressing performance um, it could be energy, financials, industrials. <clears throat> and then, um, I mean, last, you talked about overly shorted stocks before. You might want to look into that. And um, it's it's a full week, in the beginning of November especially, that rotation into small caps could be pretty interesting. Right. And, and, and you know, they, they've already been factoring some of that in. Um, and, you know, that could dampen it a little bit. It depends on what happens with the FOMC meeting on Wednesday. You know, we've baked in the 75 bips. Now, if we get it, that's as expected. We could still rally on that. It depends on the testimony then, which starts, you know, half an hour later and see what uh, what happens with the testimony. Um, the language uh, that we're looking for is, you know, um, you know, is there a, a different runway than what was previously communicated are we you know going to be talking about maybe a wait and see game for december and not actually raise or are we talking about 50 or you know a quarter um the the pce numbers that came out on friday seem to support you know continuing uh to target inflation um, the other reports that came out didn't really, you know, make a change that much. But I mean, the argument is still there to continue the hawkish approach. But 
Uh, the market rallied recently because treasuries, uh, you know, had some change. The U.S. dollar pulled back a bit, and uh, the market was just kind of very, you know, hopeful that uh, the Fed isn't going to be as hawkish. So. This is a, the, the great, great question, which hopefully will get answered on um, on Wednesday. So it's really hard to know how the full week is going to play out with that snap dab in the middle of it. Plus, you know, could that change the outcome for the month? It certainly could. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, and we also have midterm elections coming up um, on the 8th, right? So we've got... <clears throat> You know, we've got uh, a couple of big events here and this November meeting, you know, has been widely uh, forecast and telegraphed to the market, uh, you know, so I think it's a, it's a critical meeting. Um, and now we, you know, we had our big sell off in September and we've had a bit of a rally back here this month. And so, you know, is that, is this a bear market bounce or is this uh or is this the the bottoms in and we go up from here? You know the the other concerns globally. You know with Russia and the Ukraine war, with uh, you know uh, what's going to be happening in um, Europe, and then with North Korea testing you know ballistic missiles and and then you've got this announcement that you know. Uh, we have very low diesel stocks in the U.S., which is what everything is tr- driven on is uh, diesel, right? Drives, powers everything, all your all your shipping, all your, you know, trucking, everything, buses, everything runs on diesel. So um, if we're going to be short supply or out of stock altogether, what's that going to do? And that's that's supposed to come around the, you know, middle to the th- third week of November where we we have this crunch mm-hmm. so <laughs> there is a, a still some concern so I, you know I, I can't say 100% that we can have confidence that the bottom's in because this whole winter story has not yet played out um, and we're also would be saying it ahead of the midterm and you know ahead of the FOMC sort of forward guidance here right so <clears throat> i think we have to just be respectful that the market got discounted there was some cash uh, more money flowed into money markets or flowed uh, sorry back into uh into funds um than than had previously so there had been this year there had been a bit of an exodus on a lot of the funds and now money's flowing back into the funds so that money gets deployed gets put back to work um you know, there was cash on the sidelines. There was people, you know, that that manage other people's money that were chomping at the bit for, you know, for wanting to put some of it into these discounts. And and we and we've seen that. So how much is left in the tank as far as that that buying spree? I don't know. Um, but we can kind of identify why. If you have a, a a break on the yields, right? The yields were, you know rising and pulled back a bit so that gave the market a a bit of a a relief the us dollar pulled back that gave some relief cash being put to work money flowing back into funds gave uh, the market a nice upside 
move here. Um, technicals were pretty good. Um, well, it'll be interesting if the FOMC, FOMC does any kind of changes come, come this week, because the markets come back up. Are they really targeting inflation, or now they're going to be upset that the markets rallied, or are they going to target the market? So, if they were, to well, I don't know. I don't know that they would want to. I mean, I, I can just see that it's it's probable. I mean, you can't say how it happens, but it's probable that the Fed um, is maybe supportive of the current, you know, administration and wanting the midterms to be favorable to that administration. So, um, you know, kind of an unspoken rule, perhaps, that uh, that they might be a little bit more lenient in their communication or cautious in their communication. Um, and because that meeting's right ahead of the election, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not saying that Biden goes over and says to Jay Powell, you know, hey, go easy on us. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it would be kind of an unspoken rule, <laughs> you know, that 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 could be happening. Um, so anywho. I think that we have. How about have, the uh, over-shorted stocks? I mean, you've been watching those the past week or two. Well, I published that list to our our group of you know things that uh, had really high short interest, and um, you know whenever the market is a risk on and sort of sentiment is improving, some of those stocks really pop. You know, they they just go on a tear because they're already very high short interest, um, and you could con- continue with that theme you know, for as long as it sustains itself, which I can't see the market really wanting to pull back too much in the next three days because we're prior to FOMC. So then after that, there could be a bit of a pullback. And then we've got the election thing. Um, And then November in general has really good breadth of the market and, you know, usually fires on all cylinders. So uh, the way that the Almanac reads is uh, tremendous support, which then favors again these high short interest stocks that um, may uh, end up getting squeezed for a variety of reasons. You can't pin it on any one thing. It's just that, you know, people may be inclined to cover, may think the bottom's in and the reasons for their previous shorts are no longer valid. Um, or or worse, you know, they are ganged up on again and we get a bit more of this uh, meme type trading going on, which is always possible when when things uh, come into a risk-on uh, approach, so so anyway, um, now one thing I would I'd be looking at potentially the Dow, which has been so strong relative to the other markets, in the context of October, not just this last week, which Russell was the leader in the week, but but in in the whole scheme of things, and. And that was largely defensive, just like the move into the dollar. So I could see that we get into November and those defensive things kind of hold back. And I could see the NASDAQ, which is down the most, really, you know, ripping up. So just be be, be aware of that, that tension between the like year to date, the Dow's only down 9.6%, where the Nasdaq's down 
Mm-hmm. So think of that tension. If the risk on really comes into play and they're willing to buy these NASDAQ stocks again, um, that could scream up much more than your defensive stuff. And and this is how when people don't watch for that, when they don't read those tea leaves, that's how they get burned and they don't make, take advantage of, you know, the moves. Um, case in point is why do we, you know, why do we hedge? We hedge because we want to de-risk. We want to take the, you know, the unknown types of events out of the equation. We hedge when we step away from our computers and can't watch things. But if you can read the information that the market's giving you, why do you need to hedge to the extent that you're completely offsetting? Right? Think about that. Look at look at the Russell's performance on uh, Friday, which was choppier than the Dow, Nasdaq, or the S and P, which were were much smoother ride. Because Russell Russell opened up and rallied, and then pulled back all the way to the previous close. So it did fill the gap, and then it kept on going up later. The other ones, they didn't pull back. Nasdaq opened slightly discounted and rallied through. And, and kept going and pulled back to the VWAP. Dow Jones just took off from premium and, and never looked back really. S&P rallied also uh, from break from, from pretty much a flat open and pulled back to VWAP. But again, the Russell was the choppier one, but nonetheless, it still rallied. And so my point is, that if you had NAS, uh, uh, Russell stocks long, even a basket of 20 from like say stock odds, produced 1.75% return on capital for the day. If Huge. you'd hedged it if, for the day, open to close. If you'd hedged it, right, was 1.75 or 2.75? Hold on, let me check here. I'll just check while we're on the subject here. Um, yeah, Russell pulled. Russell, the top 20 pulled in 1.79, 1.79%, which which was great return on capital. And but if you were hedged, it was minus 0.03. So just just pretty much break even, let's say. My point is, can you glean the information that the market is giving you without forward thinking without trying to predict without being speculative without you know being wishful just read the market and not over hedge right not over hedge pull back on the hedge don't hedge at all if you can get away with it right that way you can get the better returns from the days that are giving it to you now of course if the market's really soft and starts pulling back, or you have a massive rally, which is then starting to weaken, that's when you can move to the beta adjusted hedging. So that as it pulls back, you put your hedge on at an optimum level. Mm-hmm. And if you move to beta, you're really optimizing that pullback. This takes smart thinking in order to use your hedges strategically or not use your hedges. Right? But again, 
left to chance and you have to step away. You don't want to gamble. You want to make sure you're, because things can happen. If you're there, you know, a, a, a risk is cut. It's not completely eliminated, but it's cut. All right. Hope that helps. All right. Good luck in the weekend. Catch you later, Gator.